Welcome to Freya's Fairy Tales, where we believe fairy tales are both stories we enjoyed as children and something that we can achieve ourselves. Each week, we will talk to authors about their favorite fairy tales when they were kids, and their adventure to holding their very own fairy tale in their hands. At the end of each episode, we will finish off with a fairy tale or short story read as close to the original author's version as possible. I am your host, Freya Victoria. I'm an audiobook narrator that loves reading fairy tales, novels, and bringing stories to life through narration. I'm also fascinated by talking to authors and learning about their why and how for creating their stories. We have included all of the links for today's author and our show in the show notes. Be sure to check out our website and sign up for our newsletter for the latest on the podcast. Today is part one of two, where we are talking to Catherine Sweet about her novels. Over the next two weeks, you will hear about writing since you could hold a pen, starting with fan fiction, learning how to market your books, rewriting your characters, overcoming typos that make it into your manuscript, formulating your spicy scenes, and sometimes having characters that take over your story. I want to make a disclaimer for these two episodes. We do talk trigger warnings and some details that may be harmful for some listeners. Love stories are... You know the term, write what you know? Generally, it implies you're writing about your life, not plagiarizing someone else's tale. Because if you do, you better hope they don't find out. Vinny's professional life? Fine. His personal life? Consists of helping everyone with whatever they need whenever they ask. He's always been an afterthought, the supporting character in the story. On impulse, he writes a book based on his brother's love story and sends it to a publishing company. Anna's professional life? Great. Her personal life? Contained neatly within one building. Her office, apartment, and little black cat. When she snatches a book out of her co-worker's trash can, she has no clue how her life is about to change. Anna wants his book. Vinny doesn't want his family to know what he wrote. To explain the time they'll be spending together, they agree to act as a couple. No one will realize Vinny's publishing a book with Anna's company. And Anna can keep creeps from hitting on her at upcoming events. Love Stories R is the second book in the Goodrow Brothers duet, continuing the story of Matt and Vinny's lives. This time, the focus is on Vinny and what happened at the end of Love Is. With feelings, swears, and spice... This foray into fake dating is the perfect friends-to-lovers treat. Grab your favorite drink and pick up a copy today. So the podcast is Freya's Fairy Tales, and that is fairy tales in two ways. It is something that we watched or read or listened to as kids, and also the journey for you spending weeks, months, or years working on your novel to hold that in your hands is a fairy tale for you. So what was your favorite fairy tale when you were a kid and did your favorite change as you got older? So my favorite fairy tale is one my grandmother told me and it is the, um, it's like an Irish, I don't know the actual name of it, but it was like an Irish fairy tale of like a woodcutter that goes like into the woods and sees this pretty girl and he's like, oh, I'm going to make you my wife. And she's like, no, No. I can't (laughs) leave. I'm tied to this tree. I can't leave. And he cuts the tree down. And then, so he's, she's free. And then when they go to leave the forest, she dies. Oh no. And becomes a flower. 
because she couldn't leave. <laughs> she was like, buddy, no. He's like, no, but yeah, it'll be totally fine. I'll cut the tree down, save you from the curse. And I think it stayed consistently my favorite fairy tale because it just said so many things. Like as a child, I was just horrified. Like, why are you telling I'm going to have to find that one because that sounds fantastic. It is. There's a um, there's a musical version of it. And I can't oh. think of her name that I that I found. And she basically wrote the thing as a song. Okay. And it's a super pretty myth and, and tragic, obviously. But yeah, <laughs> as they are. So at what age did you start thinking about writing or maybe you start writing? Um, as soon as I could hold a pen, I was trying to make like my mom had an old typewriter. Mm-hmm. And before I even knew how to write words and actually make sentences, I was constantly typing. I would I would bully her into like typing things for me. And my mom didn't <laughs> like to read or write. So it was like torture for her. <laughs> to sit here and have this like five-year-old be like and then and then (laughs) as all five-year-olds do and then is the the repetitive word that you're like if you were doing that today you'd be like I have to take all this out (laughs) every single one of them (laughs) so when did you actually um start writing like full actual with plot stories (laughs) because little kid little kid would like my daughter write stuff and it is entertaining but there is no full-blown plot involved (laughs) right I think um I started writing fan fiction when I was around 16 um okay and I'm older so like the internet was like brand new when I was like in high school (laughs) so so you'd have been chat room would that have been chat room fan fiction at that time? Um, I was writing. Oh, God, that's so bad. So I was writing when it was fan sites, and you would email your chapter updates to the owner of the host site. Okay. Like, I, like old school. I was pre fan fiction. Yeah, I was pre fan fiction.net. When that thing came out, I was like, oh my God, I don't have to communicate with humans anymore to update. <laughs> <laughs> I can update this myself. It's amazing. and like because I mean ultimately like and then it was hard because you had to like make sure that you sent it in a file that they could read and Mm -hmm. like or you would just send it in like bulk like email thing oh it's a nightmare but that's when I started writing with like actual plot and I would try to like create characters and like oh I can fix the show I didn't like how the show went when they did this so I'm gonna fix it (laughs) and that kind of thing so and so when did that evolve when did that evolve into a full novel? So I I had been writing um, pretty consistently with a fan fiction writing group for over 10 years. And a okay. lot of us were very seasoned writers. We've been writing forever. And so we started to challenge ourselves because there were a handful of us that were thinking, well, I'd love to write my own novel one day. And I'm just, mm-hmm. I don't think I'm there yet. I don't think I'm as good as trad publishers are. Yeah. And like, you know, all the self-doubt, the imposter syndrome. So to challenge ourselves, we started to do what we call roulette. So we would take okay. the characters from show A, the plot from show B, and everybody would get those two things. So you have your A show, your B show, and then someone would anonymously email you what type of story you had to write. Oh, no. So like romance <laughs> or fantasy. Or... Right. So I got the characters from a horror show uh, <laughs> called From Dust Till Dawn. Okay. I got the premise of Jane the Virgin. <laughs> and someone sent me rom-com and I was only oh, no. dark and dramatic and I was like 
I I would like, like to be you're like, What do I do with this? What do I do with this? <laughs> I know this was partially my idea, but can I be excused? I um <laughs> no, I'm gonna go. This is too much challenge. I I would I would like to pass. And I got about two chapters into it and I was like, I think this is my novel. But I wasn't sure. Okay. And so I finished writing it and then the pan the panini hit and suddenly I went from two jobs and sixty hours a week in six days to one job, forty hours a week, and okay. having no weekends. And I printed it in this massive binder. Mm-hmm. printed the whole thing out and I started editing it and I did it through the first run and I sent it to my cousin who's like an English major and like an avid reader and I was like I just need you to read it okay and she she calls me and she goes so I'm editing your first book for you as a present and we're gonna go and I was like oh no yes <laughs> <laughs> I'm always oh, like no. well I'm not gonna say no exactly. <laughs> if you're offering <laughs> I'm going to say no to free editing. That's what's going to happen. (laughs) Who's going to do that? (laughs) No, absolutely not. Especially since she's got a good eye. I'm like, no. So that, so I, I adjusted the premise and I'd already adjusted it obviously somewhat. And so I finished like, yeah. So it was just, I took all the fandom stuff out of it and I got it done. And after my cousin read it, I ran through another thing of editing. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that no one was going to publish it in the format that it was in. Yeah. It's too long. And I write what I like to call rated R Hallmark. So okay. it has feels and like all the emotional things in the plot. You have like the the tragic backstory and like all of those things. Well, you're working with horror characters, so you had right. to have tragic. <laughs> right. So and then I but it swears a lot and there's a lot of laughs and there's a lot of uh, and there is spice in it. It's not closed door. So mm-hmm. I call it rated our hallmark because I'm going to make you feel things. I'm also going to cuss like a sailor and make you laugh hysterically. Uh, <laughs> that is part of the goal of the book. And there's one particular scene in it without really giving a spoiler is that um, the two main characters, um, Cass, who is the female protagonist, uh, she ends up naked at one point and Matt, the male protagonist, sees her. Okay. And it's this very rushed kind of thing that happens. And so she's panicking post and she's like, oh my God, I saw you naked. And he's like, well, I wasn't paying attention. So it was naked ish. And she's like, there are no degrees of naked. <laughs> so like, I tell jokes like that. And I, I love gallows and like blue collar humor. Uh, my father's um tool and die i'm from michigan so that's a very big um dynamic out here very much blue collar and so that humor has always been in my ears and it's always been what i've heard growing up and all those stories so Mm -hmm. to me like that's just how jokes are yeah (laughs) so yeah i was like (laughs) i don't want to change how i write and i want that i want to have those emotional moments but I also want to be able to make people laugh. And I also want yeah. to be able to have that kind of thing. So I realized I was going to have to self-publish. So mm-hmm. I got an LLC and did Sweet Tales with Spice because yeah. my maiden last name is Sweet. Why would you not roll with it? And yeah. <laughs> yeah, now I have two books under the imprint and a cookbook. <laughs> 
So how long did it take you to write that first draft? The first draft took me a year and two months. Okay. And then you sent it off to, you know, her to read and then apparently edit. And then how long did it take you from like her editing it to actually like publishing it? She started editing it in August of 2020. And I published it September 28th of 2021. So about a year. Yes. About a year. And then the second book I did in one year. (laughs) (laughs) So with that, um, so you hit, you realize you're going to self-publish. You do all the businessy things that, in my opinion, you should do. Um, In fact, I just literally had this conversation with my husband earlier. Someone on TikTok was talking about pricing her books really, really low. And I'm like, that's how you know someone is pricing it not as a business. Because if you want to keep going, eventually you may be totally happy that more people can read your book because it's cheaper now. But at some point, you're going to start to resent that because you're not making a reasonable amount of money. Like, it is a business whether you want to look at it that way or not <laughs> right and that's the hard thing for me is because I hate thinking of writing like a business yeah because it's I, I'm a creative I don't want to think well, about I mean, it, it's a little bit of both but if if you're just the one like if you're working if you're trad publishing someone mm-hmm. else is doing the business part of it so all you have to do is a creative right. at the point you're having to choose what your price is and make all your covers or you know, hire out to make your covers and editing. And at the point you're doing all of that side of it beyond just the writing. Yeah. And I say just the writing. That's obviously like the biggest part of it is like making the story. Right. <laughs> but it is a business. Like someone's doing the business part of it, whether it's you or the publisher. So. Right. Um. Uh, yeah, I my first when I started the cover process because I'm only creative with words like I am every time I have to design anything to like for my Instagram or to go out I'm always like oh I hate this part I'm not creative that way <laughs> like visually I'm not creative so it's yeah a nightmare and so I hired a cover artist and like went through the whole process mm-hmm. and then like I don't know it was like three months out or four months out to the book's date that I'd already set mm-hmm. and in my head and she ghosted me Oh no! It just disappeared, and I was like, "Oh, oh, okay, oh, all right, that's okay." And so I kind of like I made a TikTok, and I was like, "Hey, if anybody was cover artist, um, <laughs> <laughs> I might mine. need one. Might need one right now, <laughs> right now." And um, uh, someone that reached out to me, uh, her name was Kayla. She was the sweetest thing, and she was like. She's like, how much did she charge you? And I was like, I told her. And she goes, okay, well, that's how much I usually charge. So I'll just do it for free. And I was like, uh, absolutely not. Um, right. It's not your fault like, she ghosted me. Right. And she goes, no, she goes, I, I want to do it. She's like, I'll I'll write it off as a, as a, um, as a charity. Well, yeah, I guess, I guess that, that would work. I was like, are you sure? She's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. So I sent her a book and a bunch of other stuff when, when the book was done. Like, I sent her a signed copy and everything. Mm-hmm. But, like, my my heart, man, I was like. And so then I took the cover that she designed for the first book and I used it as a template to design the one for the second mm-hmm. um, because they were duets. So I was like, yeah. okay, I could do this. 
yeah. believe in me and Canva. We can we can make this happen. Yeah, I am great at copying things, coming up with my own. That's what like Canva is my favorite thing ever. I'm like, it is. And I pay for the pro because like if you're doing any significant amount of things, you have yeah. to have the pro. But like I look through their templates first and then I'll like for podcast covers and stuff, I'll take yeah. that and then I'll tweak it for like. Well, you know, the podcast colors are black and pink. We don't want an orange thing in there suddenly. Let's tweak the colors. Or, exactly. Or that book looks really stupid. Let's go find a better one instead. You know, like. Yeah, I was not coming up with much. And like the only thing I told Kayla, and that was the, the problem, is she's like, well, what do you want the cover to look like? I was like, that's the problem. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I was like, the only thing I know is uh, rom-com is going with illustrated covers right now is is the is the on trend. I would like to mm-hmm. kind of stay in that yeah that niche. I was like, the only thing I know is that the female main character on the cover has to be pregnant because <laughs> the book follows this pregnancy like it's kind of the timeline yeah. for the majority of the book. And I was like, I feel like if she's not pregnant on the cover, that's going to be disingenuous and yeah. it's going to confuse people. And she's like, yeah, totally. And like, and then yeah, so cute and it's adorable <laughs> and it makes me so happy. And yeah, Matt spends the entire book swearing and being angry. So he's, he's an angry, confused man who didn't ask for any of this, quite literally. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a disaster with your cover designer, but you finally get to hit publish And then what did you do next? So next it was just talking about it and learning how to market and learning how to market well, which I don't think I do yet. I try. (laughs) Um, I am lost in the woods sometimes, but I, it's just trying things that'll work. I have done Mm -hmm. mailers and I have done, like, I reached out to some art people that I sent the book out to. Mm -hmm. Some of it worked, some of it didn't. And then it's just, it's constantly talking about it, constantly posting and, and making noise. Um, and it was the same thing when I got around the second one. It was like, okay, how do I market it this time? I will say I'm getting a little bit better at TikTok for marketing, like mm-hmm. learning how to use CapCut and some of those things. Yeah. That helps. Um, <laughs> but I still feel like I'm lost in the woods sometimes when it comes to to marketing. But I... I like it in a weird way. Like, I like to struggle and learn, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I am very much, I just told someone this this week, I am more like a throw me in the deep end and I'll figure it out type person. Um, Did I know how to do a podcast when I started it? No. Did I know how to narrate a month earlier when I did that? No. But my dumbass was like, let's start narrating. And then a month later, let's start a daily podcast. This makes sense. Yeah. Listen, just pick me up, toss me in the middle, and I'll either I'll either sink or I'm gonna get back to shore. One of the two is yeah. gonna happen. Yeah, I'm like something's gonna happen. And I mean, we're at this point I've been narrating for like a year and a half and the podcast is still going daily. Every single day there are new things up there. And then I started this one like last year sometime and it's just like just just keep going. Just That's amazing. <laughs> That's so good. I'm like I have authors that I narrate for that are constantly like, but are you taking care of you? And I'm like, dude, I would sit on my couch bored out of my mind half the time prior to this. So like my like ADHD, ADHD, insane brain needed like things to focus on during my day. Oh, that hyperfixation. 
Yeah, my husband laughs at it. He's just like, yep, that's you definitely have that. I'm like, well, and now I'm like out of the audiobook hyperfixation, but like I have all these contracts that I still have to do. (laughs) But I'm like, I also love it. So I'm like, I don't want to stop doing it. And now I've like learned how to do it decently. Right. I'm like, whatever. We just keep going. (laughs) Exactly. We'll figure it out as we go. So you're figuring out the marketing, but now you said you actually have three books out total. So how long, you said the second one took you about a year. Yes. And you kind of, I'm guessing, learned how to better yes. promote as you were going yes. through that year. In theory. <laughs> um, I don't know if my promotion was better. My planning was better. Um, I So I, I wrote the majority of it during Nano. Um, okay. I had a chunk written. And then I got up to like 90,000 words during Nano when I I did Nano in 2021. And then the story stopped. Okay. Like it halted. Like I couldn't figure out how to get past where I was at. Mm -hmm. And I'm staring at the screen. I'm staring at the cursor. And finally I figured out I had the female main character's personality wrong. 90,000 words in. So I had to I had to completely remove thirty five thousand words. Like the oh scenes wouldn't work, nothing would go from those. I had to change your personality completely because it didn't work. And the second I changed it, I just went. Oh my god! And like within, I think it was within two months, I had it back at like a hundred. It was about a hundred and ten thousand before the first like cut edit that I did. So I'm guessing like, there would have been some tears involved when you yeah. realized oh, <laughs> all yeah. the work. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I have a graveyard um, for anything that I delete from a story. Mm-hmm. And I just, I title the different sections what stories they've come from. And so I have I have a graveyard full of documents and scenes <laughs> and dialogue. Because I can't delete anything. So if I try to delete it, I get anxiety. Well, I'm like, who that. knows? You may, that character may fit perfectly into a future right. story. And you're going to be like, right. let me go read that old dialogue <laughs> to right. like, remember. Well, and the big thing with, with Anna's personality and, and why it was so wrong. So I did it. The first book was a twist on the pregnancy trope. Right. That, you know, everybody doesn't like. Um, and I was like, haha, I'm going to make it funny. And then I did a twist on the billionaire trope for my second book. Um, okay so the woman is the billionaire and what I got wrong with Anna's personality is I made her shy and demure and withdrawn and I was like but if she's a billionaire that's (laughs) she's been on a board since she was like in her early 20s there is no way in hell no she'd be like she'd be a secretary or something if she (laughs) (laughs) but at the same time I didn't want to make her a bitch yeah. So like, here's here's that line toe. So she is straightforward to the point. She's she is not cold, but she's not emotional. Mm-hmm. So like, once I got her personality in the range it needed to be in, she was like, "Thank you, we're gonna go now." I was like, "Oh, okay, all right. You tell me where we're going." <laughs> My apologies. Yeah, I can see where that shy and demure would definitely not fit billionaire at all. No, they did not. <laughs> she is. Yeah, we went from her being, like, nervous around the other main character to the first scene of the second book is her on a very bad first date and, like, (laughs) blind date with this guy. And he tries to order for her and she's like, no, I don't eat red meat. And he's, like, tries to, he tells the waitress to bring it anyway. 
And yeah, so see, I she, just walk out at that point. Like, <laughs> so, well, she does. She tells the waitress, she's like, hey, do you have like a side door? And she's like, yeah, do you want me to let you out? She goes, no, I need to place an order and I'll pick it up from you after I tell him I'm leaving. <laughs> so like walks out, explains that she's not going to continue the date. When he starts to fuss, she drops $50 on his plate and tells him he can use that to pay for it since he's worried about it and leaves and tries to pick up the waitress on her way out the door. Like, hey, you want to come over to my place for a drink? Uh, no. She's like, okay, have a nice day. And she sleeps. <laughs> Which is Anna in a nutshell. <laughs> so you get, how did you end up from fiction to, you said, a cookbook? Yeah. How did so, that happen? <laughs> so in the first book, in the first book, uh, the female main character, her full name is Cassara. Um, okay. So Cass, which is what she goes by. Her grandmother in the fictional world was a roadie for a rock band. Okay. Um, and Cass can't remember the name of it. Um, but she taught her all of these recipes from all of her time on the road. Okay. And she calls them rated R recipes because <laughs> they all have inappropriate names. Okay. Like, curl your toast, French toast. <laughs> and deep fried pleasure pops. Hey, that's an actual thing because there's like better than sex cake in like real life. Right. So like that's a thing. Right. So it's um the cookbook right now is only available um on Kindle. Um okay. but it's it's Graham's rated our cookbook and it's like <laughs> three bucks. And they're all real recipes in there. There's about 25 or 30, um, uh, ranging from regular to drinks and like like there's like a morning after drink to like for hangover cure and like <laughs> stuff like that you know so like comfort foods like stuff that you would serve if you were on the road with a bunch of yeah. morons who drank themselves into oblivion right um tacos so that, are there tacos I, I think i did a taco i know i know i did mac and cheese because oh I perfect because it, sounds like love mac and cheese i just uh i just remember <laughs> my sister we were at like a our friend group used to do a Halloween party and the yeah. Halloween party would be basically be, you know, we'd all get drunk like one night a year yeah. together. Um, and there was one time where like we're driving my sister and her boyfriend at the time home and they're like, we got to stop and get tacos, like super drunk them. They're just like, Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> this is all we want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were very adamant. It was Taco Bell on the way to their house or they were just going to not be OK with any of this. So. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And that's it's kind of like the that inspiration of like yeah. that very silly. So it became a running joke between the two books. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, that'd be really fun. I'm hoping if I ever make it to like writing conventions, I want to print it out like a little booklet um, as something that I can I can yeah. have like on hand. But for now, it's just on a Kindle. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be a good like newsletter. What do they call it? The like the whatever they call it when it's like the thing that you use to get people to get your newsletter. Like, hey, if you sign my newsletter, you know, sign up for my newsletter, you get the free recipe book or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't remember I do, what they call it. I have put a couple of the recipes in my newsletter. Um, okay. Kind of a book. That was super fun. Um, I got a really good response to that. They're like, this was such a cute idea. I was like, <laughs> yeah, we're only going to do so many. Cause I don't really like to cook. And coming up with that many recipes was taxing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like to cook. I am so, simple. Give me rice and eggs. So now we talked about before we actually started. Um, so you have have any of the books been made into audio yet? No. And I am attempting because I'm poor. Um, you know, we all live in that. We all live in that poor life. I uh, I'm trying to work on the audiobook myself. 
Mm-hmm. Um, my husband bought me a very nice microphone. I'm still learning how to use it. And I really want to narrate them both, but it's a slow burn. And it's the first one's 140,000 words. And I can't <laughs> sometimes like I can I can talk a little bit around spicy scenes, but sometimes I can't say like the actual spicy scene out loud. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to record 85,000 words and then get to the spicy scene and be like, oh, I can't say <laughs> any of this out loud. Oh, that's 19 hours of my life wasted. I'm going to go cry in the shower and uh, go to bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I'll be I'll be quite honest with you. Um, yeah, each hour of audiobook takes on average for new people 10 hours to produce yeah, yeah see i'm gonna so, have to try the spicy scene first to see if yeah. i can make it through <laughs> can yeah, i say I, these things <laughs> yeah i've kind of taken um so i have a day job that like pays all my bills and i narrate i say on the side but i do narrate like my day job is very much on call situation so like my day is mostly before narrating, I would just chill on the couch reading books or binging Netflix all the time. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, I've taken the I don't need the income. So I do a lot of royalty share stuff for like newer authors, which at the beginning, um, your covers are beautiful and very much fit the genre. Um, I did not care about that at the beginning, <laughs> which, to be fair, my narrating also wasn't that great at the beginning. At least I don't. It probably was fine. And I just feel super critical of it. Um, but like, I'm like, I'm so much better now. But then you don't want to be like, I'll re-record your book because I do better now. <laughs> no. No. Like, I'm like, I don't have time for that. So... <laughs> I am so sorry. Uh, others are getting the benefit of my learning. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things that, like, anything that you do, whether it be writing, narrating, podcasting, art of any kind, all you can do is the best you can do at that time and then yes. improve from there. Like, you have no idea if you can do spicy scenes. Um, I... One of my very first audiobooks was Erotica. So, like, very, right very early on, I'm narrating butt stuff. I'm like, <laughs> all right, then. Okay. This is where we live now. I'm like, ah, it's, it's, it's a thing. <laughs> and then I got hired on for, like, another one. I didn't even audition for this one, but um, I got hired on for one. And I'm like, the other eroticas I've done are nothing compared to this one. <laughs> Just like, oh my god. Oh, my demisexual brain be like, oh, I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna see myself out. Well, like, people be like, why do you take such long breaks from TikTok lives? And I'm like, because sometimes I'm doing books that aren't appropriate for, like, if I have to fly, I've, at this point in time, now that I've learned how to do things better, right. I'll be like, reading through prepping a book ahead of time. And I'll put like chapter, I have a spreadsheet. That, yeah. like, has all these V lookups, so I only have to type the character description once. Um, but I'll be typing, you know, chapter one has these characters that talk. And if at any point anywhere in that chapter there is any kind of content that's going to get me banned on lives, right. I'll, uh, there's check marks down the left side. Uncheck the check marks. It is not safe for life. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. So, like, if, you know, the... On the last erotica I did, the funny thing was the publisher's like, yeah, you can do the whole thing on live. It, that's so cool. And I'm reading it. And I'm like, I could do maybe a sentence here or there. 
don't think you know how this works. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, sir, I got banned for his hand grazed across her, th- you know, parts. <laughs> I got banned for three days. I'm like, this is way worse than that. There was like BDSM and like multiple partners and very descriptiveness. Yeah, Dad not going to make it on live. No, no. I'd make it like five minutes in and then it'd be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or I'd be like, I'd be like, hold on, this part's inappropriate. Let me pull the, you know, pause it real quick every five (laughs) seconds. This is the weirdest, this is the weirdest live I've ever been a part of. <laughs> yeah. Just waiting to come back. <laughs> and people are like, but what are you actually saying? <laughs> I can't tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Buy the book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Support so you author. are planning to start. At, when are you planning on attempting this monster? <laughs> uh, probably next month. Uh, with how this month is going. Uh, we got a lot of family things going on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to start, knock on wood, in March. Um, I'm going to be testing and playing with the microphone all through like February, like random parts to kind of like figure out like where my vocal range is. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know that I have a lot of ups and downs in my voice. Yeah. I get very loud and very like outwardly expressive because I yeah. I talked and just like started like running through part of the story in my head and I was watching the range of like the way my voice goes up and down I was like oh I have no control over the way my voice goes yeah that is gonna be a nightmare (laughs) yeah it's I um am way more expressive than most in my stuff because mine does do that with the thing um like the whatever it's called, the lines on the screen mm-hmm. do go up yes. and down a lot. So like if it's if it's an action scene, I'm going to be like more involved in it. If it's like yeah. a quiet, spicy scene, it's going to be like slower and more drawn yeah. out to like make it, you know, more tense and awesome. Right. Um, but yeah, mine, same thing. Same thing. <laughs> okay. I'll feel so bad then. But if a professional does it, then I feel less. Uh, yeah. Now the key is bad. try not to yell because that will kill your throat. <laughs> I definitely have, you know, occasionally there will be a line like I I was doing before we got on here. I was doing edits for a book and there's like one part where she screams like, ah, and yeah. the author's comment, because he's already listened through, was like, um, this wasn't good enough. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. all right. He's like, be more angry and mad. And I'm like, all right, then. <laughs> yeah, there's I, I know there's at least one part in the first book where where Cass yells. And like, because Matt's growly, I wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily, he's not necessarily, like he kind of yells, but it's more of that gruff, like, because it's a grumpy sunshine. So it's yeah. more of like the, are you effing kidding me? Like, yeah. kind of thing. But yeah, there's at one point where they're having a discussion and Matt is just talking over her, mm-hmm. not trying to interrupt her, but like, he's like, I can't believe they did this. And so yeah. finally she just screams at him to stop. <laughs> and that's not in her personality range and so like i i'm like i guess it could be a little loud right there but again, yeah gotta gotta test that i think i maybe and who knows maybe with as stressful as this month is maybe i'll use that as a distraction <laughs> i'll try to see if i can record that spicy scene i'm like oh maybe i'll just start there yeah you need to look at there's a thing on um just a website it's like 
10 steps to getting your mic positioning correct. And like a, a key to that is like getting it the correct like distance and angle from your face. Oh. So like for me, if my mic's too close, it sounds super bassy and weird. And if it's too far, it sounds like tinny and just like it doesn't sound like a full voice. Like it doesn't okay. sound good. So like that's it doesn't take long. I think it took me like maybe 10 minutes to get it like this is the best angle for my face and then I just like I have a ruler that I keep in my booth so like I know like eight inches away from my face is like... <laughs> oh I love that <laughs> so it's like it's one of the like weird things like you don't think about it until uh, I actually was in a Facebook group for narrators and they were talking about oh have you seen the so-and-so's like I don't remember if it's 10 or 8 or it's some amount of steps to yeah. like perfect mic positioning so it's like, yeah, off center. So it's not catching all the like and the and like, you know, all the hissing now sounds. Um, but yeah, it's you may look that up because that will help. Um, and then, yeah, a lot of it's just like learning one, what loudness doesn't hurt your throat, <laughs> like can do it for a long time. But even if you're recording like a chapter a day, that's, you know, making progress. Yeah. Um, I figure whenever I eventually publish, that's going to be how my book gets done, like a chapter a day after I've finished other people's stuff. Yeah. <laughs> or on the weekend, knock out a couple chapters or something. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what is coming? So you said the books you have is a duology plus the cookbook. Yes. So yes. what is coming next? Yeah, I have two things in progress right now. Um, I have another one that's going to be under my Sweet Tales imprint. Um, mm -hmm. That one... I'm not sure all the details on that yet because my brain's like, I haven't decided. But I know I'm going to twist the billionaire tro or the uh, bodyguard trope somehow. Haven't quite okay. figured all of that out yet. But I know that's the next trope I want to I want to twist up a little bit and have some fun with. Okay. So I'm working on that one. And the other one I'm working on, I am going to publish under a different pen name because it is going to be a dark uh, fantasy story um, essentially about a monster that's killing monsters uh, without okay. any remorse. That's and fun. about the gray area of morality if you're killing a monster. Because, okay. like, you're taking everything out, but should you be? Yeah. But should you be killing all these supernatural things just because they're supernatural? And I mean, I'm works. sure mosquitoes are here for a purpose, but I kill all of those, too. So, <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. So I know I know the fantasy story is going to take me about two years. Uh, my brother and another friend of mine, we are working on writing the mythology and the gods and the hierarchy and pecking order of all the supernatural beings. And okay. how everything feeds into that. Um. I am super excited about that one, but I can't say a ton about it because there's a couple of twists in there that I want to like keep close to my chest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I do, I the goal is to every year, year and a half, to put out something under Sweet Tales with Spice. Or, so I'll write another rated R Hallmark book. Okay, where... and so on the business side, are you going to have, like I know for me, I just basically do a bunch of DBAs under the... <laughs> same same registration stuff <laughs> like is that yes. kind of the plan to not yes because you said under that yes. imprint so <laughs> I imagine another one is coming as well <laughs> yeah I'm gonna have to I can't I don't know exactly what that one's gonna be yet because again a lot of this is in the hypothetical mm -hmm. like at least two years at least two years out 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think that one will end up being a trilogy. So I've got a, but there's a lot of more plotting. I'm, I'm a planter, so I'm like right in the middle, mm-hmm. but I know this one, I'm going to have to slide more towards my plotter yeah. side of things. Cause it's going to take more because there's a lot more in depth and there's a lot more real world building versus a contemporary where it's all I always world. Write- Right. I always write the end first mm-hmm. um, of all of my books. I always write the ending first. And it might change depending on like what happened between the start and when I get there. Mm-hmm. But I'm always writing to that ending mm-hmm. versus, you know, reading my because I'll write myself into oblivion. Yeah. If I don't have where I'm going. So yeah. I always write the ending first. So like that's where we're going to end up is right there at that point. That's kind of, I didn't write my ending, but, like, in my head, I know, like, where it's going. So, like, in, well, and originally it was like, oh, it's going to be a single book, and this is going to be, like, the big plot twist or whatever. And then it's like, no, I think we could make this a little bit of a series. So, like, let's, you know, have that be the big plot thing in the last book, and then we're going to, like, add little, littler things in the other books. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And with the dark one, I know the first one is going to be more more establishing, and the second one's going to be, like, the lead up to the big bad, and the third one's going to be the big bad in the aftermath. Yeah. So, like... There's all of that. And, but yeah, my contemporary ones, I I would say they're easier, but I am manic when I get into writing a book. Like, if, for example, so the two books mainly take that I've written mainly take place in Houston. Okay. And I did research to the level of I figured out when they went from a regular uh, coin system for like parking your car, mm-hmm. like a coin meter to the app on your phone why it's not in there but i needed to know (laughs) because reasons and i'm like no one's gonna ask this question this is not gonna come up but you but it might okay fine wet year yeah mine i'm like asking my husband like how long do you think it would take our entire world to crumble and them to build these like you know giant like think like the 100 where they have to go live on the spaceship kind of thing like how long would it not Mine is not set in space, but it's like, how long would it take for, like, that kind of de-evolution to, like, happen where, like, everybody had to, like, move into this? My husband will give me all these weird answers that it's like, okay, he's like, I don't know, set it at least 500 years from now. I'm like, okay, I can do that. It is. um, I I keep track of everything with spreadsheets. Same, same. So I have on my browser, I have, like, my document with my, I do stuff in Google Docs. Yeah. Or just Google Drive in general, because then I can do it on my tablet or my phone or my computer. Um, and so <laughs> with that one, I always have the manuscript up. And then I have the spreadsheet with the, like, things that I've renamed to different things, like cars and phones and stuff like that. And then I have the, like, what was the um, percent of the population that's going to be affected by this thing and so, like, that, all the calculations and what the different, like, how I got to the number that I did are all on a separate sheet on there. <laughs> and then, like, um, at one point, I had to figure out the year, so I made sure that was on the sheet in case I ever referenced the year again, I remember. <laughs> right. I so, have... like, things that I'm like, I will never remember this go on there so that <laughs> I remember. And it's little, it's little things too. That's um, one of the things with both of my books that I've been complimented on. And, and in my fan fiction writing, it was the same thing. It was like how I wrote dialogue. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I studied theater when I was young. I loved how, you know, your dialogue told your story. Mm-hmm. And so I have lists of, I have a care, a tab for each character okay. in my spreadsheets. And it, part of that tab includes words they normally use, mm-hmm. words they normally don't use and words they wouldn't use. Okay. Like if they're normal, like, and then any like slang terms, because the one, one of the characters, he's older, he's like the adoptive uncle of the two brothers. Um, okay. So there's older slang that he uses, okay. you know, obviously being sensitive to changing times, but mm-hmm. like, there are like some phrases that are, are not bad that, but they're older slang. They're not something mm-hmm. a young person would use. So yeah. I definitely have him reference those. He calls Cass consistently calls her darling. And they're from Texas, so they drop the G's a lot. Yes. And hi, I am from Texas, and I have a terrible Southern accent. <laughs> well, and 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 I don't put it in every time, obviously. Yeah. It's annoying and stupid, but if I'm highlighting a piece of dialogue, like Darlin is one of the ones that I do do consistently that I drop the G. Yeah. And I'm from Michigan, and so I had to remember to not write pop when I was referring to soda. Yep. Coke. Because that is very much a midwest thing just called yeah. pop and soda is more common overall like but like you not said, in coke. not in texas no not in texas um <laughs> it's all it's all coke what kind do you want <laughs> what kind of coke do you want a uh, coke <laughs> i had that conversation once um <laughs> i was like uh they're like you know pepsi coke and i'm like which one <laughs> i am i am confused yeah but it's, it's pop up here um, yeah so that was definitely like i had to remember like to not write it pop because i was like oh that's gonna come across as like but then there's there's little things like geographically like in the second book they go to chicago and obviously being from michigan chicago is one of the places that i visited when i was younger that was like one of the cool places that we could go um <laughs> that wasn't too far away yeah and Anna grew up there, so the Hancock Building, which was the Sears Tower, Vinny, the main main character in the second book, is very precise about things, mm-hmm. and so he calls it what it's called now, and Anna corrects it, you mean the Sears Tower, because <laughs> she's from Chicago, and if you're from Chicago, yeah. they correct people, they're like, no, it's the Sears Tower, they're like, that's not what it's called anymore, and they're like, it's still the Sears Tower. <laughs> Yeah. How many how many things are there were like other I guess Texans are also like that, though. (laughs) Yeah, because I've definitely done that before. (laughs) If it's from your region, you're protective of it. Like, yeah, they're like, no, that's not what that's called. Well, like if it was called that for like a ton of years, you would also be like, no one calls it that. What are you doing? (laughs) that. Oh, you're a tourist. Got yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> Welcome to the city. So where are you from? Exactly. <laughs> I know you're not from here. There's a city near me that's called Waxahachie. Okay? okay. And everybody, you know, when they're from especially California, because it is Waxahachie. <laughs> if they say it and you're like, anytime I get a call for my day job and they're where are you moving to? Waxahachie? I'm like, really? Where are you moving from? Because you're not from around here. <laughs> here. What's like, um, there's so many Michigan towns that have weird names. Like, I think Ypsilanti is like my favorite one to reference. I feel because... like I just had to look up 
a lake or something from Michigan. Yeah. I couldn't yeah, tell you what it was now because it was so like, that's how you pronounce that? Like, what yes. the heck? <laughs> Ypsilanti starts with a Y. Like, that city name starts with a Y. And it's <laughs> Yip. And I'm like, and it does not look like Ypsilanti. Like, you look at it, it's like Sault Ste. Marie. And there's a bunch of other towns. Like, Charlevoix has got, like, the, and it's French, so it ends in, like, the U-I-E-X. Oh my gosh. And it's like, we were just doing the most when we named our cities. And then in contrast, we have hell, Um, Michigan, which is just every time the, every time hell freezes over in the wintertime, it's just a running gag. It amazes me. God, what did I do in the first book? Oh, I had a typo. So you always find typos in your books. Um, yes. Just, just like it, it never, you never miss one. Found, I found, yeah. Oh, so there is an AI, and I know AI is a very touchy subject. Um, but there is good an AI for some Marlo. things, shouldn't be used for others. Yes, exactly. Um, so Marlowe's an AI that analyzes your writing. Now it analyzes it from a computer standpoint, so not everything is accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it does do is it looks for repeated words. Okay. And also words that might that might be typos. Like it's okay. like this doesn't sound like this is a real word, which is actually super helpful. But yeah. it also picks up a lot of slang words. Like yeah. that's that. Like darling, but would pick that up every time. Yeah, it did every time, <laughs> which is fine. You can you can flag that. I can make sure I don't use it too many times. Yeah. So, but one of the helpful things is is it helps with those filler words, those repeater words. Yeah. And. I don't believe in taking out all filler words. Like that's not that's not. I my think thing. it's um, normal speech for most people. Yes. So while while I don't think you should necessarily like if your count is very high, you should look at what yeah. what your writing is and like assess it. But you shouldn't be like determined to get zero that's in your yeah. manuscript. Especially yeah, if it's like, it oh, in a hundred thousand words, you use that a hundred times. That's not that big. It's like, right. oh, you use right. it a thousand times. You should maybe. Oh, maybe the. So, <laughs> the when on... Yes. Yes. Please and thank you. When I ran it on my first book, I had, and it's again, it's 140,000 word mm-hmm. manuscript. Um, I had 142 variations of fuck. (laughs) And I was like, Matthew, (laughs) my dude, what are you doing? He's like, I'm very angry about being in this story. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't don't want to be here. So I'm going to swear a lot. The other thing it would phrase is, is pick up as phrases. So like common things you said to like grabbed hands or like something like that. Mm-hmm. Which would be good to know. That you Glanced in her sure eyes. <laughs> right. Well, okay. Now, remember, my first book takes place throughout a pregnancy for the most part. Yeah. So and pregnancy so would be phrases, used a lot. What the phrase it picked up was she went to the bathroom. That's accurate, and though. I was like, Listen. <laughs> They're like, you use this 17 times. And I'm like, she's pregnant. I feel like it's valid. I feel yeah. like. Yeah. I feel like. And she also used it for her escape mechanism. So if she like got nervous or like, she'd be like, I have to I'm pee. so sorry. Yeah. Like, 
<laughs> I gotta pee. Bye. <laughs> I'm pregnant. Deuces. I gotta just yeah. leave the room before before this sentence continues. I I can't deal yeah. with the emotional stress I've got. I'm under. That's the baby. I swear, the baby kicked me. <laughs> Help. <laughs> but it does pick up those things. But unfortunately, it doesn't catch typos in the way if it's a real word just like a spell yeah check yeah so in the third in the second chapter like we're less than 50 pages into this book there is a sentence that reads he gauged her like he's assessing her like okay i'm looking at this person it says gagging in like the first <laughs> handful of the prints that it- that changes that sentence a lot. <laughs> like a lot. Like very uncomfortably. And I was like, why? <laughs> why do me like that? <laughs> this is so uncomfortable now. I had something similar happen to me in an audiobook I was just doing, but I don't remember what the word swap was. And I was like, that is not what she meant. <laughs> that is not the word that you wanted to use there. That is. Yeah, that was my favorite one. So anytime I feel bad about something in one of my other in my book, I'm like, it's not gagging. It's fine. <laughs> it's not does not equal gagging. No, yeah. no, no. <laughs> I, I win as long as it's not that bad. <laughs> oh my god, it was so embarrassing because I was reading through one of the copies and I was like, I, like, and I missed it. Like I got my proof copy and looked at it at the proof copy and didn't see mm-hmm. it. And, like, this was, like, my family threw, like, a little celebration party when I published my first book, which was mm-hmm. super sweet of them and wonderful and fun. Well, I ordered books for that party so I could sign right. them and, like, go through right. the whole, like, feel like a real writer. It was so cool. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was in all of those copies. <laughs> Every single one of them. <laughs> like, you know, get, get better every day (laughs) yes it the only the only typo i have that comes in anywhere near it in the second book is so each of the books have a top tagline um Mm -hmm. the first book has a dramatic romantic comedy um the original tagline for the second book was a romantic comedy with drama in like all caps Okay. I changed it because I wanted a more hooky like tagline on the top to get people's attention. Yeah. So it was a billionaire romance without misogyny. Okay. Which I thought was really cool hook, you know, female billionaire whole thing. Yeah, I smelled I spelled misogyny wrong. Fun. On the cover. Fun. <laughs> on the cover. And there's there's like four of those that exist in the world. Um, <laughs> it's real embarrassing. I'm like, if you could never tell anybody about that book and my friend's like it's a special edition exactly. like, <laughs> that's where you just hope that you didn't order a ton of copies that like you know now you're stuck with a hundred copies of whatever <laughs> it there's yeah i spelled it yeah i forgot the o's i just spelled misogyny without like the majority of the o's and i'm like why why can't but why have you betrayed me <laughs> yeah, I don't think all can- the other type of oh does it I have grammarly I have grammarly attached to the browser okay so it'll catch it yeah I was so, like I don't think I like Canva, Canva usually 
catches typos because um, I doesn't. usually have to catch them myself. <laughs> I, I like to yell at Tampa for it because I felt jilted. <laughs> <laughs> Although it would really jilted. be Grammarly's fault, not Canva. <laughs> it is. It is. I need to blame the correct source. I just, I was like, well, and, and, it, and it was such like, and I was so nervous about the cover any, anyway because I designed that one myself yeah so like I was already like super nervous about it and I was like I think it's too much I think it's too like I think there's too much stuff in it everybody uh-huh. goes it's fine I was like are you sure because I feel like it's really <laughs> it's really busy and they're like it's really not I was like okay I'm say so. <laughs> paranoid so what is the biggest piece of it? If you were talking to new you before having done any books, what's the biggest piece of advice that you would give to yourself starting out that you know now, but wish you had known back then? <laughs> give yourself more time. If you make a deadline, you can change it. No <laughs> one's going to hate you. Uh, things are going to go wrong. Yes, <laughs> yes. Cover think, artists I, are going to ghost you, possibly. Or, or in the case of the second book, the editor ghosted me. Oh, no. I have never, I have never cried so much in my life. Then we had a deadline she was supposed to get, get to me, and she ghosted me for four days. And then at the end of four days, her email was essentially, whoops-a-daisy, don't worry, I'll have it to you soon. Oh my God, no. No, No, absolutely not. No, no. (laughs) I spent three days in agony crying. So that's that's my advice to young me and any author out there is to leave more time for disaster. If you think you need 60 days, give yourself 90. Yeah. Give give yourself 120. Be and be kind to yourself if you need to change those things. Do not make yourself feel dumb or small because you didn't know something and you had to adjust Mm -hmm. your time frame. Like, it's okay. You're learning. Like, I didn't know how to format. I didn't know how difficult formatting was going to be. Like, I was like, once I get through editing, this will be easy. (laughs) No, absolutely not. Now you have to make it look like a book. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you have programs, like I used Atticus to format my books. Mm -hmm. And as far as a PC, program a pc working program i like atticus it functions very well um i really enjoy it but there's still a learning curve Mm -hmm. and it's still it's still a little wonky i think if i could learn to use and could afford indesign i would probably be doing it on indesign but Mm -hmm. i don't have that kind of money so we use atticus i got the beta version so i got a discount when i got it yeah and but that's that's the thing like I didn't know formatting was that difficult yeah and now when everyone what's the worst part about writing and I was like formatting formatting and marketing (laughs) (laughs) I hate formatting I hate now the big one a lot of people use is the mac one right the vellum yeah vellum but that one's mac yes exclusive yeah mac exclusive I get them poor (laughs) I can't afford a program and a, and a Mac. I am uh, I'm working with with the tools that are at my disposal. Yeah. See, I had a PC, and I was six months into narrating. Um, or I should say, 
I started narrating in September. My father passed in November. His life insurance paid out in like January or February. And that was like the one thing that I bought was a Mac because I needed one without the fan noise. And Mac Pros are like the best or the MacBook Pros are the best at that. Um, So that's the only reason I was able to afford one as quickly as I was able to. Um, Right. But not everybody, I hope, not everybody has that same right. scenario happen because that was awful. Um, but right. about like back to deadlines and stuff, that's the only time I ever missed narrating deadlines was during I emailed everybody I was currently working on a book for and was like, this is what's happening. Do you want me to do your book or do you want me to cancel the contract? Because either one is fine with me. It It's going to be a couple right. days of downtime. They're like, yeah, right. keep keep going. I had one. Right. One that was a Christmas book, so she wanted it done by Christmas, which I'm like, I get it. One, I was like 90% of the way done narrating, and he's like, just finish it. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm like, You're almost done. I'm like, I would have been really irritated if that one had canceled. Like, I put all these hours into your book. (laughs) But no, everybody, everybody was super, super nice about it. They were like, Thanks for letting us know, you know, everything. So, um, that's the only time. Every other time I'm like, listen, this is the absolute latest I'll have your audiobook to you. Um, it could possibly be sooner, but it won't be later unless right. something catastrophic happens. <laughs> right. It's and I think that the the flexibility, like, especially with professionals, is I think the big thing is communication. Because mm-hmm. like it would have been a different story had the editor been communicating with me. Yeah. Hey, such and such happened. I'm behind. I can give you this piece and this piece because I could have worked on it incrementally as I was getting it from her. Yeah. But that that wasn't the case. And so it it, it was a a very, but yeah, like awkward situation, but the communication and being flexible within those deadlines, within those professional guidelines, I think Mm -hmm. is huge. But to yourself, you need to be kind. Yeah. Because you can't control everything as much as we would like to. Um, yes. <laughs> we can control those. We can control the world we create, uh, but we can't control everything. Yes, yes. Catherine has always liked the story her grandmother told her about a woodcutter and a fairy. From what I can tell, the wood sprite is the closest to what she described from Celtic mythology. Celtic mythology is the body of myths belonging to the Celtic peoples. Celtic myth influenced later Arthurian legend. Today we'll be reading Conla and the Fairy Maiden from Celtic Folk and Fairy Tales, collected by Joseph Jacobs. Don't forget we're reading Les Mortes d'Arthur, the story of King Arthur and of his noble knights of the round table on our Patreon. You can find the link in the show notes. Conla and the Fairy Maiden Conla of the Fiery Hair was son of Con of the Hundred Fights, One day, as he stood by the side of his father on the height of Uzna, he saw a maiden clad in strange attire towards him coming. "'Whence comest thou, maiden?' said Conla. "'I come from the plains of the ever-living,' she said. "'There where is neither death nor sin. "'There we keep holiday alway, nor need we help from any in our joy. "'And in all our pleasure we have no strife. "'And because we have our homes in the round green hills,' Men call us the hill folk. The king and all with him wondered much to hear a voice when they saw no one. For save Conla alone, none saw the fairy maiden. To whom art thou talking, my son? said Con the king. 
Then the maiden answered, Conla speaks to a young fair maid whom neither death nor old age awaits. I love Conla, and now I call him away to the plain of pleasure, Moimel, where Bodag is king for I. Nor has there been sorrow or complaint in that land since he held the kingship. Oh, come with me, Conla of the fiery hair, ruddy as the dawn with thy tawny skin. A fair crown awaits thee to grace thy comely face and royal form. Come, and never shall thy comeliness fade, nor thy youth, till the last awful day of judgment. The king, in fear at what the maiden said, which he heard, though he could not see her, called aloud to his druid, Corin by name. O Corin of the many spells, he said, and of the cunning magic, I call upon thy aid. A task is upon me too great for all my skill and wit, greater than any laid upon me since I seized the kingship. A maiden unseen has met us, and by her power would take from me my dear, my comely son. If thou help not, he will be taken from thy king by woman's wiles and witchery. Then Corin the druid stood forth and chanted his spells towards the spot where the maiden's voice had been heard. And none heard her voice again, nor could Conla see her longer. Only as she vanished before the druid's mighty spell, she threw an apple to Conla. For a whole month from that day, Conla would take nothing, either to eat or to drink, save only from that apple. But as he ate, it grew again and always kept whole. And all the while there grew within him a mighty yearning and longing after the maiden he had seen. But when the last day of the month of waiting came, Conla stood by the side of the king, his father, on the plain of Archimen. And again he saw the maiden come towards him, and again she spoke to him. "'Tis a glorious place, forsooth, that Conla holds among short-lived mortals awaiting the day of death. But now the folk of life, the ever-living ones, beg and bid thee come to Moimel, the plain of pleasure, for they have learnt to know thee, seeing thee in thy home among thy dear ones. When Con the king heard the maiden's voice, he called to his men aloud and said, Summon swift my druid Corin, for I see she has again this day the power of speech. And the maiden said, O oh, mighty Con, fighter of a hundred fights, the druid's power is little loved. It has little honor in the mighty land, peopled with so many of the upright. When the law comes, it will do away with the druid's magic spells that issue from the lips of the false black demon. And Con the king observed that since the coming of the maiden, Conla his son spoke to none that spake to him. So Con of the hundred fights said to him, Is it to thy mind what the woman says, my son? Tis hard upon me, said Conla. I love my own folk above all things, but yet a longing seizes me for the maiden. When the maiden heard this, she answered and said, The ocean is not so strong as the waves of thy longing. Come with me in my curog, the gleaming, straight-gliding crystal canoe. Soon can we reach Boadag's realm. I see the bright sun sink, yet far as it is. We can reach it before dark. There is, too, another land worthy of thy journey, a land joyous to all that seek it. Only wives and maidens dwell there. If thou wilt, we can seek it and live there alone together in joy. When the maiden ceased to speak... Conla of the fiery hair rushed away from his kinsmen and sprang into the Kurog, the gleaming, straight-gliding crystal canoe. And then they all, king and court, saw it glide away over the bright sea, towards the setting sun. 
away and away, till I could see it no longer. So Kanla and the fairy maiden went forth on the sea, and were no more seen, nor did any know whither they came. Thank you for joining Freya's Fairy Tales. Be sure to come back next week for the conclusion of Catherine's journey to holding her own fairy tale in her hands, and to hear another of her favorite fairy tales.